Hello everyone, I'm Steph Boldrini and this podcast is for everyone who wants to learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you my journey in getting into commercial real estate while being mentored by someone who has been doing retail investing for over 20 years. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we went over the things that we did on our own during the due diligence process of my first offer, as well as all of the reports that we had to get done, what those reports came back with. And we also went over all of the items that our attorney objected to under the title report exceptions. In this episode and final episode about that particular offer, I'll go over the financials and how we made the decision to move forward or not with the purchase. And then we'll come to a conclusion at the end. When we made an offer in this theater that had been abandoned for 30 years, we had three options in mind. Number one was to do a very basic remodel and sell it. Number two was to go all the way and do a huge remodel and bring it up to an impeccable and beautiful property and run it as a business, as an events business and that would be for corporate events weddings parties etc and number three it was to remodel as much as we should and rent it out to a tenant and potentially sell it or not depending on the state of where the property would be and the cap rates at that time we were unsure how the economy was going to go so of Of course, in those calculations, we had to be very conservative. The cap rates were at around 6% for that area at that time. And we wanted to think ahead. And in case the economy took a hit, we were doing calculations at an 8% cap rate. So when the economy tanks, cap rates do go up because people are able to buy less property and there are more sales going on. And that's why we we had a calculation of 8% cap in case by the time that the property is remodeled, there is something going on with the economy, which is very important for all of us to calculate. Moving into the calculations, I made sure to do quite a few calculations in order to understand really what would be the worst, worst, worst case scenario and the best, best, best case scenario. So out of 36 different numbers that I came up with, we would be negative on two of them. And that would be worst case scenario of losing 400K in a best case scenario of making $2 million. So everything else was between these two numbers. And because we did not know exactly how much our construction and remodeling costs would end up being, I did a best case scenario, medium case scenario, and worst case scenario for all three options that we had. And my best case scenario was costs of 
$780,000 of renovation. A medium case scenario was the cost of $1 million in renovations. And a worst worst case scenario was around $1.5 million in renovations, plus purchasing the property at $430,000. So it would almost be $2 million. So we had to sell definitely above that $2 million line. For the first idea that we had in mind of doing the very basic remodel and then selling, we were estimating around $780,000 of minimum renovation and selling that property for a worst case scenario of 8% cap. So we would be making a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is not worth the headache. The number two option was to remodel incredibly well and run it as a business uh, to do events. And for that, I contacted quite a few events place in the area. I found one events place that was very comparable to ours and they were charging around 5,500 per event which included security, tables, chairs, linens, etc., etc., etc. So it included it included staff, water bill, electricity bill, which can be very high when you're doing events. Uh, so I was estimating out of that 5,500, we would probably end up keeping around two to three thousand dollars in net revenue, and. In our calculations, I was very conservative and I used the $2,000 number. In the worst case scenario, we would rent it for 40 nights, so very, very conservative. In the best case scenario, we would rent it for 60 nights. I was also adding a revenue for a church to be able to run services on Sundays for a few weekends during that year. And at the end of the calculations, our net income on the worst, worst case scenario would have been around 110,000. And then the best case scenario would have been at around $160,000. However, again, this was very conservative at a net income of $2,000 per night. Now to wrap it up for all of our options, which were number one, remodel the very basics and sell it right away. The other option was what we were just talking about to remodel the maximum we could and rent it out for events. And the third option was to remodel what we had to in order to rent it out to a tenant and then decide if we were going to sell it or just maintain it. So as a conclusion, out of these three options, we were calculating the least amount of construction costs we would potentially incur, as well as how high could the construction costs be. And because we didn't know exactly how much the construction costs would end up being, we had to understand the least amount of construction costs results, as well as the highest amount of construction costs results, how the financials would look like. And they are as follows. The best case scenario of $780,000 renovation cost. In all of these options, we would have made anywhere from $345,000 all the way to $2 million. This was a big range. And again, that was the best, best case scenario. 
in the middle case scenario of construction costs ending up being around a million dollars, we were going to make anywhere from 125,000 to 1.8 million dollars. And in the worst worst case scenario of construction costs ending up being one and a half million dollars, we could lose 375,000 and make a maximum of one and a half million dollars. So there were very few risks and I'm sure we would have not lost money on this property. However, at that point, we were seeing that it was going to be a huge project, despite the fact that we had a very good contractor we said, let's just try to get another $100,000 discount. And if the seller is not willing to do that, we're just going to walk away because this is a huge project and we would not end up making a ton of money in it. Also, we would be parking our money for at least six months to a year because of the construction. So we would not be cash flowing during that time, which if you and I buy a property today that has tenants in, we would be making money on that property right away. So this is very important for you to consider when you are evaluating a construction project versus a project that is already up and running and has some tenants in it. You need to calculate the amount of money that you're losing by not having any tenants in your property that year. That has to go in your calculations. So after all was said and done, we got sales comps, we got rent comps, we had a really good idea of what we could do in all three options, and we decided to ask for an additional $100,000 discount because it was going to be such a huge project and it would not be worth our time if they weren't willing to give us the discount. I wrote a very, very extensive email that I sent to our broker explaining everything about the property, that the property was in a downtown area, it did not have parking, that we needed to install a fire sprinkler system. We did all of these reports and this is what the results were. We did an asbestos and lead survey. We did a phase one report. Our attorney reviewed um, all of the items on the title. We found out about the party wall agreement and if we had to do anything on the wall or not. And then I sent that to my broker and the broker said, this looks great. Let me share this with the seller and get back to you. Unfortunately, or fortunately, The seller said, no, we don't want to go below 400. And we said, fine, it's not going to be worth it for us. So we canceled the purchase agreement and I'm gonna go over our conclusion. During the whole process, we signed two extensions so that we could continue doing the due diligence. We had to contact the fire department, the fire contractor, we had to do a wall inspection, we had to deal with the city, and all of that took a very long time to get scheduled. And most of this was because 
again the property was abandoned so there were a lot of things that we had to go over and really understand what the costs would end up being i ended up talking to at least five different people that worked for the city when they responded so i had to follow up with some of them a few times and some other people not a few times they actually responded on time we spent around ten thousand in reports and legal fees and throughout the entire time i had to reach out to the real estate agent multiple multiple times asking for things that they owed me like all kinds of documents from the property rent comps sales comps for the area i also had to reach out multiple multiple times to the title company asking for things that they owed me for example the party wall agreement on the title report but they did not have the agreement so they finally somehow found the agreement at some point it's amazing how when we really push people to do their work they end up doing their work another difficult part was that the entire process was so old school being in silicon valley <laughs> i was expecting it to be a bit more updated uh, but absolutely nothing except the ability to use email was being done with technology my real estate agent was writing things down on a notebook and she very often missed things that i asked for multiple times the city was another story all the paperwork was sent over after several emails and it was quite difficult to find things so as a conclusion part of me wanted to buy it because it was a very beautiful building when you walked in you could really feel that event happening and that property come to life and i was eager obviously to get going on my first deal but i also am very responsible and i knew that i could not let my heart lead when the numbers were not there and as they say there will always be another property in hindsight for my next purchase i should have asked to meet the seller in person so i could genuinely explain all of the expenses that we had to have in order to bring the property up to par and so that the seller could feel that we were interested and that we were doing our homework maybe that would have changed things maybe not but it's one thing that i would have done differently but let me tell you at the end of the day this was almost a year ago the property is still for sale <laughs> one of the reasons why we think it's still for sale is because when you take on such a project banks won't lend you money for the construction so you need to find hard money lenders so that would be very very expensive for most people at around 10 to 12 percent interest rate and that can eat a lot of your revenue over time so unless you have cash this is probably not a good investment 
And at the end of the day, I do think that the seller will have to drop the price even further because the property is really going downhill fast and the people in the city don't have patience anymore. They're starting to implement all kinds of fines for that property. I hope you found this super, super helpful. I know it was a very long one because it was a very complicated purchase and it would have been a, a lot of work. However, we still feel like it would have been a good return on our investment if the seller were to drop the price by another 100K. If you are finding this podcast helpful in your real estate journey, make sure to subscribe. And if you could please do me a favor and leave us a review, that would be super helpful. I will see you next time.